Welcome to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast, where you can learn about the innovative ideas and technologies reshaping the healthcare industry. Join over 150,000 monthly readers and listeners all over the world. Each week, we sit down with some of the most brilliant minds in healthcare to learn what the future holds. The Healthcare Weekly Podcast, healthcare innovation starts here. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. I'm Phil Narsim, CEO at Digital Authority Partners and Healthcare Weekly. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of talking to uh, James Bernstone. He is the CEO at Elucid, a British company that has developed a smart pill dispenser system for uh, clinical trials management. James, very happy to have you on the podcast today. No, thank you very much for having me. Great to talk to you. Absolutely. So, James, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, your company, how this uh, smart pill dispenser works and where you came up with this idea? Yeah, sure. So, we're, we're founded about 2013, um, based in Manchester in the UK. And um, we've got a smart pill bottle um, that, uh, you know, you can use in clinical trials um, and also in sort of commercial medicines is, is a sort of target as well. Um, and the reason behind that is for, for medicine adherence, um, which is all about sort of taking your medicines as, as they're prescribed. Um, and the, the kind of the, the headline news of that is that if, if you don't take your meds as they're prescribed, then they're probably not going to do anything for you. Um, and unfortunately, there is um, there's actually, you know, unavoidable deaths caused by this. Um, and there's a, you know, a strain on healthcare services and there's costs associated with it. Um, you know, if, if, if you come into your doctors and you're, you're given some medicine um, to treat something and you go off and, and you know, if, if, if you don't take them as prescribed and you come back in and there are, you know, there are still conditions, then, you know, you may be, you know, admitted to the hospital or you may be moved to a, to a more expensive drug. Um, and in clinical trials, you know, I mean, the whole point is to find out what this drug does. Um, and if, uh, if some patients, um, you know, aren't adhering properly, then you know it's difficult to find out what's actually happening, and the results get a bit skewed. They can actually affect the whole the whole running of the trial. So for us, it was about you know how can we how can we improve that um, in a way that actually supports the patient. Um, you know it's it's a very complex issue already. Um, I think it's kind of a very human problem. Um, you know it's 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 not a case of people are um, don't have the right technology. They're not adhering. That there are really complex problems there. So we wanted to look at what if we could just find a way to just find out what people are doing, you know, more accurately um, and also just, you know, help them the best way, best we can. So instead of coming in and just getting a, you know, a bottle of tablets or just a blister pack, they actually get something that can, that can help them. It's like a little, a, a little doctor in your pocket, really. And the way we do that is by um, digitizing the dispensing or sort of quantifying it. Um, and what that means is it becomes something we can actually measure and control so the pill bottle, um, it, it looks like a standard standard bottle on the outside. Um, you know, the pills will be inside, um, but we've got a sort of smart dispenser that fits inside of it, um, and it seals the pills inside. So when you want to dispense them, you actually use a mobile phone. And what happens is you press the button on your mobile phone, uh, it connects to your bottle and actually pops the number of pills out that you're supposed to take at that time. Um, and the point of that is that it, we, we've now measured what you've done, and that can go back to a platform um, so we can sort of we can see that we can understand your sort of adherence patterns. Um, it's useful for the patient because they get reminded um, everything's on the app when you're supposed to take it, how many. So for some people, you, you know, there, there are just common difficulties with you know, how many am I taking or when am I supposed to take it? 
the app kind of takes care of that for you. It's just a button press now um, and, and your pills will pop out into your hand. And then all that data is collected and goes back to the platform so that, you know, when you do come in now, you know, instead of just coming back in and, and, and you know, um, you know, maybe forget it when you forgot or, 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 or some, some people unfortunately might actually try and hide this from their doctor as well. There's a bit of white coat syndrome that comes in with self-reported adherence. Now the doctor can actually bring up this, this file and see exactly when you missed your dispensing. Um, and that can help them sort of, you know, look at the treatment. It's not just that you're not getting better. Maybe we need to address the non-adherence first. And, you know, we can look at the insights there that, that you know, maybe there's certain days you're missing, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, you, you know, you're going to the gym. Um, we, what we really want to do is get this data to your clinician so that they can actually then use it to, uh, you know, to, to actually affect your adherence. And we really think it's the doctor and um, that is actually going to really have that impact. But they need the accurate data there in the first place um, to sort of be able to understand what's going on. So can you walk me through the actual use case? So I'm a drug administrator. I purchase, let's say, 100 of these um, pill dispensers. And I do what? I, I sell off the bottle. I send it to the user. Just walk me through kind of like what happens from the drug trial administrator point of view all the way to the patient and then back to the drug trial administrator. Yeah, sure. So. We, we have our we have our bottles and and they could be filled on a normal line, which is quite important because you know w- what we hope is one of the advantages of our system is is it is it is for the most part a normal pill bottle, which is good for the patient um, and and it's good for the filler as well. So you'd fill these up in, in a completely normal sense by hand or on a line, and then our technology actually gets just pushed in the top, and then it's kind of you know you get your cap on as well. What happens then is that the actual dose schedule, so when you're supposed to, when you want the patient to dispense them, is uploaded to our platform. Um, and this is where we've got some, some of the cool tech is that you can actually define when the patient can access the pills. So, it, it, you know, let's say you really want to take one in the morning and you want to take them one at night, but you want to make sure they sort of don't double dose and don't take them in the afternoon. You can actually program that. So you, you type the prescription in um, and it goes into our platform. The patient will then come in to collect their, their pill bottle and they will have to download an app onto their phone. So we have this for, for Android and iOS. So they've downloaded that. They log in on our sort of secure platform and it will download their dose schedule to their phone. So they've got that there now and it tells them when their next dose is due, um, how many they're taking and all of this. Um, so they go off and then the morning comes and it's, uh, you know, it's eight o'clock and their morning dose is due. So a message will come through to their phone to say that you know, you, you, it's time to take your morning dose. Now, what the patient will hopefully do then is they will get their bottle, you open the lid, you sort of turn it upside down, which is the kind of little novelty difference with ours, um, and they press the button on their phone. It will uh, speak to their bottle and it will dispense, pop out the tablet that they're due at that time. Maybe it's one tablet or two. Um, that'll be it popped into their hands. Uh, that data that we've just seen that happen will go back to the phone and that goes back up to the platform. And then our platform is kind of learning all this data and checking. So we know, you know, every dispense has happened along with some other stuff that we pick up on the app. Now, let's say it's getting to one o'clock, which is the cutoff for the morning dose. We've now potentially got some patients that haven't dispensed um, and we know which ones they are because we get the data back. So we can send potentially a second reminder to them so we don't have to hit everyone with kind of reminder fatigue that can happen. We can just send reminders now to the, you know, the group who aren't dispensing um, and hopefully get them to sort of a deer before the cutoff. Um, the patient will continue that. 
Um, and as we go on, we can sort of learn what they're doing as well. The reminders can kind of get a bit smarter. Um, you know, potentially any healthcare, um, you know, professional that's looking at this might, might know certain people that need reminders more or, or need less. Um, and they can get feedback from the patient as well. And then when it's all done, we have that data. Um, the bottles can be recollected or we can do a reconciliation to make sure those sort of numbers are correct. So, of course, um, medication adherence is a, is a huge issue. Um, and it, of course, varies based on the population you're dealing with, uh, the, the folks who have to take medicine, um, different uh, socioeconomic conditions. Uh, back in 2018, there was a medical study published, which is called Enhanced Adherence in Patients Using an Automated Home Medication Dispenser. Um, and um, the, the, the results are really promising, I believe, uh, the, the average age for patients is about 75 years old and right. um, after six months uh, duration of running the trial, uh, the conclusion was that um, there was a significantly improved medication adherence by leveraging uh, an automated home dispenser um, solution. Um, I, I'd like to ask you about whether you have conducted any medical trials that your uh, platform and smart uh, pill bottle and what the results uh, have been. Yeah, so we've run, uh, we've run two trials so far, um, and these are really studies to test the sort of technical robustness and the patient acceptance, which for us as an early stage company is, is so important right now because you know, if, if patients don't want to use this or if it's too complicated, then we, we're actually going to negatively affect adherence. So for us right now, we're running these trials to feed back into our development cycle to make sure that, you know, well, we were onto the right track with these. Um, so we run one of a world-leading CRO in the UK. This was um, just 10 patients over two weeks. Um, obviously, they're, they're only on it for two weeks. So the adherence is, uh, you know, it, we expect it to be quite good. But we got 96% um, um, for that study. Um, but importantly for us, we got a 91% uh, robustness. So that was the pills dispensing as they should. Um, now, we had a couple of technical defects there. I mean, this is a, this is a completely new product. Um, it's quite a challenge. Compare it to some of the other dispensers that are out there. They're quite big um, and have to be sort of filled in certain ways. Ours is just a normal bottle that you can, you know, you hold in your hand and dispense. So there's, there's, it's a bit more challenging there. So we were quite happy with 91 because that really shows that the, the foundation works um, as, as a whole. We had a couple of, um, you know, issues that we were able to identify. Um, from that, we've just concluded a study we're running with a teaching hospital over in the Netherlands. Um, where they have a center of adherence excellence. So they're really looking at this sort of data. Um, and we're just getting those results back right now. Um, but we had a sort of, um, I think we had a, a higher robustness um, rate. Um, and we're just sort of analyzing the, the adherence stuff that came through there. But again, these are, these are very early to show that we need to look at, you know, hundreds of patients. Um, we're about to start an NHS study next month. And that is really going to look at, you know, you know how, how NHS patients in sort of outpatient clinics, you know, would, would use something like this. And then once we've got that and, and we go back into our development cycle, uh, we make sure that this thing is simple to use, simple to carry, and it works um, every time. Then we'll be going out to look at actually um, the sort of clinical outcomes of, of this product. Uh, sorry, quickly, uh, what is an NHS study? Uh, so the, the NHS study will be, um, will be uh, with a clinician. Um, in our Manchester Royal Infirmary. Now they've got patients that they know that, that come into a clinic, um, they get given, um, you know, what, medicines for long-term chronic conditions. Um, and, you know, when they come back in, they, they know there's just, 
you know, the, the, there's a deviation between maybe what some of the patients have told them their adherence is and what they think it is. But, they, you know, they have to make decisions of treatment of, of what they're seeing. So what, what he's interested in doing is looking at, you know, if we have some of this, can we support patients to adhere? But can we actually get some insights into what they're really doing? You know, are they engaged with their medicine at all? Um, so this first study will just be 10 to 12 patients um, coming into this, um, this clinic, um, using this for a month to see, you know, did, did they like using it? Was it easy to use? Um, did it work every time? And then from there, you know, once, once you've sort of got some baseline data on this, uh, we'll be moving to sort of a larger study to look at clinical outcomes and um, economic outcomes as well. Um, go back to the medical trial. Can you tell me yep. anything about the demographics of those patients, um, age, gender? Yeah, we um, so in our last yeah in the in in, in our study in the Netherlands we um uh, so we went for a split of genders fifty fifty, um, and we went for a a, a sort of a, a good split across the ages um, from about you know twenty up to um, seventy, um, and also different sort of professional backgrounds as well. Um, um, you know, what, what sort of jobs they did at the hospital. So that will give us, um, those results are still coming in right now, so I don't have them right now, but it'll be very interesting to see what sort of comes out there. Um, we've done some human factor studies before. We did one at a, um, a sort of primary care clinic um, up in the north of England. And for that, our sort of, uh, the average age was about, um, it was 60 to 75, I um, believe, in that one. And, you know, it was really interesting because there was some kind of, you know, the, 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 there are some comments that maybe, you know, um, some of the elderly patients wouldn't like mobile phones or wouldn't like this sort of gadget type thing. But actually, first of all, most of them are using mobile phones, um, you know, a lot. But secondly, they kind of really, really liked it because it was like, it was, it was, a, it was a, you know, it's, it's a bit of a gizmo. Um, and, you know, that they just felt sometimes a bit left out of, of being involved in trials like this and having new kind of like, you know, tech toys. So they're actually really like keen to use it. And, you know, thought it was really interesting. So that was quite an interesting, you know, study there because, you know, adherence is something that becomes more of a problem um, in commercial medicines of age. Um, but that's also very much linked to sort of polypharmacy as well, which increases quite a lot. Sure. But at the same time, for it to play the devil's advocate, at least in the United States, uh, the yeah. latest numbers show that only 42% of seniors actually own a smartphone as of 2019, yeah. uh, which would constitute a huge impediment to deploying your solution at large, right? It, it does definitely shrinks down. Uh, uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, at uh, that sort of age group. I mean, there's, there, there are a lot of adherence tools out there. Um, you can go from very simple, you know, you can just have an app where you just press a button to say if you've done it. You can just have text messages all the way up to, you, can, you know, the, the, uh, the piece of electronics put inside a tablet that, um, you know, knows it's gone into your stomach. So there, there, there's, there's different there and different ones, you know, will suit different, you know, patient groups better. And the one thing for us is we have to identify the patient pathway where we make a difference both clinically and economically. And, and, and that's what we'd be going for. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution, I don't think. But as, as this sort of, you know, as, as this population gets older as well, then you can imagine that sort of phone use and technology use will sort of carry on with that as well. That's true, but it will also take a while, right? I mean, oh, yeah, I guess so. yeah, the next, yeah, yeah. you know, 10, 15 years until you have a new yeah. group of seniors that are, uh, that would arguably be more technologically savvy. Um, and then the other thing, just, just checking out, uh, other, um, pill dispensers, 
what I see with the most popular ones is that they're, um, you mentioned that earlier as well, they're bulkier, they're larger. Some of them basically look like a coffee maker that you're basically yeah. installing in, in your house, um, a.k.a. A, a very analog solution, uh, offline solution, if you will. Um, so uh, I just want to, you know, take your brains on this. Uh, considering the fact that your solution requires the use of a mobile application, um, what are your thoughts on, on how you, you plan to, to grow the company over time, considering this impediment? Yeah, so, I mean, our, our sort of primary market was always clinical trials at this time. Um, and for that, uh, you know, mobile phones are being used more and more. Um, if you look at sort of e-pro, electronic diaries, electronic reminders, so it fits, it fits quite well into that. Um, and, and one of the things we really want to do is we want to, you know, um, combine with other, other people's tools, basically, the, you know, diagnostic tools and questionnaires. Um, and most of those are going to be on phones. And that's the sort of data that we want to combine with. So in clinical trials, we, you know, we, we see quite a large market, um, where, you know, mobile phones are used already. Um, and some are used in kind of in, in the clinical aspects as well. Now, there is, you know, one of the things we've got planned on the horizon is, is polypharmacy, and the other one is, is a non-mobile phone-based version as well. Um, so, I mean, it does, it does take away from some of the, some of the features that you combine with other data, such as your dose reminders and, 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 you know, having it very visual and having, you know, maybe audio cues and stuff like that. But there's definitely scope for us looking at a sort of um, a, a non-mobile uh, version that's just standalone in the device. Um, because, you know, for us, the thing is this has to be portable, this has to be simple to use. And that's the kind of the different sort of way we've gone compared to some of these, you know, solutions that, you know, you, you stay at home. Um, but again, there's, uh, you know, we, we, see a, we see a big enough market in the sort of clinical trials we want to go for um, and, and, you know, the commercial meds market of, of, of chronic conditions, not just in these sort of, um, you know, people that maybe don't have mobile phones. Uh, yeah, there's so, always uh, been a constant proof. Uh, of course. Uh, so just quickly, I was uh, just texting one of my friends who does run uh, drug trials here in Chicago, right. uh, explaining yeah. uh, him about your solution. And, and his question, <laughs> well, he's got a question, <laughs> he, which is kind of yeah. tied to what we've been talking about. And his question is like, yeah. what's going to happen if I have some participants who own a smartphone and some who do not? Uh, his fear is that it would be difficult to manage since he cannot control access to smartphones ahead of mm. a uh, drug trial. These are good questions. Yeah, that could be something where we have either. to provide them. Yeah, yeah, because um, there are some, you know, there are trials now that we've seen where, um, you know, companies will actually provide mobile phones for them to be used. I mean, we we obviously don't want to, you know, impact recruitment. Um, in clinical trials, which is again a massive, massive problem. Um, so for us, you could look at providing um, the phones as well that the user would use. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can't imagine carrying two around; it might be a bit of a problem. But if you don't have one, then hopefully it'd be okay to use one of ours, um, and that would just be included in the kind of you know the product offering um, to, to the to the to the sponsor. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, so going back to the the pill itself, I think you touched on it a little bit, but I do want to. Talk about it in more details. Uh, so you, you have the pill dispenser. What happens if a specific participant does not take it on time or forgets about it? What are the different fail-safe mechanisms and, uh, of course, technological solution put in place to ultimately, in very simple terms, harass the person until they take the pill? 
<laughs> yeah, well, we we don't, we don't want to we don't want to get to that point um, uh, because yeah, we we've got to be careful. And this is one of the things with reminder fatigue is if you're just sending blanket text messages every so many hours to say dispense it, then you know you could even end up maybe you know inconveniencing people that that are adhering. So we know because we're actually touching the, the packaging itself, you know, our data is a bit more accurate about what's going on. So the reminder system. Um, learns but it also uh you know can be customized by the patient and that's important we want to give them a say as well because for some patients they won't want to be reminded you know that they know they can handle this themselves um you know we, we want to help the ones that are having are having trouble which, which isn't everyone so we know it's in there so that data can then really be used by the the trial organizer um you know as much as they want to you know to somewhat get this patient to, to adhere um, but the power of ours is really that if you do get some data that comes through at the end to say that you know, James was not dispensed at this time, then that's valuable data for you to, you know, for you to look at going forward to understand that, okay, the next dose or the next Monday, um, you know, then, then maybe this person needs a bit more at that time. What we really want to do is because the first point of call is the app, um, you know, and the reminder comes through to the app, we want to actually get feedback from the patient at that point. So when the reminder comes through, um, we can actually give them an option to say that, you know, I, I'm not going to dispense now. Um, you know, I'm feeling too sick. Um, I don't have my medicine on me or, you know, something like that, because that's just important stuff that, we, you know, the, the clinicians need to, need to know um, because it's the reasons behind non-adherence, which isn't known yet, you know. So if we can sort of pick that up, um, um, you know, and give the patient a chance to actually, you know, describe what's happening, then we don't just, you know, adherence, doesn't just become a thing where they're just going to ignore it and we don't know why. So that's, that's, we really want to bridge the gap between, you know, the packaging, the patient and their clinician to do so in a way that's not burdening them with too many extra steps, um, you know, that they have to do themselves. And so, so the idea is that I can basically use the mobile application, say, I'm not going to take it right now. And I presume if I say I'm not going to take it right now, there will be like a free form field where I can tell you why. And that information will be collected and passed on to the uh, drug administrators. That's the idea, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the, I mean, I mean, I was looking at our bottle. If you press dispense and the pill comes out, you know, it's gone into your hand. Um, you know, we first to say we don't know if you've actually administered it. That that that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to force, you know, force adherence on. Um, because what we do know is that if you haven't ad administered it, because it's still locked in the bottle, and that's our kind of real accurate data. But, you know, we want to support that if it has, if you have gone through these steps, you know, you've opened your phone, you've acknowledged the reminder, you've opened the bottle, you've pressed dispense. You know, those are a lot of steps. So, you know, if the patient does that, we obviously want them to, to, to administer. So instead of, you know, if they really don't want to, you know, we don't want them to, to potentially fake that. So it's given that option to say, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to dispense at this time. This is the reason. And that's still, you know, really useful information to find out um, for the clinician so they can see what's going on, you know, and then, you know, bring the, the, the clinician as the person that's going to help that patient to understand, you know, their adherence and, and why it's important. Of course. Uh, and, um, I have one other question from my friend who uh, is sure. a drug trial administrator, uh, and he's saying around 30% of my drug trial participants have a caretaker who's responsible for medical adherence. Does this pill right. dispenser support both roles within the mobile app? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, that's right. So we've, got to, we've been looking at this kind of care home model where, you know, someone would actually potentially be, be responsible for quite a few bottles. Um, and they can sort of go around and, and sort of, you know, dispense them. And that would be useful information, you know, if, if, you know, if you had a family member in a care home, you could see that. 
So, you know, absolutely, um, you know, someone could have the app there and they could be dispensing for someone. Um, and, it, you know, it, obviously the sponsor would, you know, we'd, we'd have to deal with the data and how that works. But from a technology point of view, yeah, that's absolutely possible. Yeah, and of course, at least here in the United States, I've seen uh, a tremendous amount of um, IoT, Internet of Things solutions that support both roles, but not necessarily yeah. in the context of having a caretaker that has to take care of you, even more so in the context of uh, supporting uh, the role of, let's say, this is a patient and, you know, I'm, uh, you know, the patient's son or daughter and I get to see what's happening. And if they're not doing something, then I can basically pick up the phone and call them. All right. So you get the yeah. kind of the dual caretaker role. One is like a private citizen, if you will. The other one could be yeah. like a registered nurse, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one, we, uh, one of the systems uh, we've got is kind of role-based, you know, access to the data. Mm-hmm. So we have kind of trial organizers can go in and then they can see this data, but they can't, you know, create any. Um, the patient is the only role that can actually, you know, dispense and talk to, talk to the bottle. So you can have kind of like a, you know, we can have other roles where you could, you could be alerted to certain times or alerted to doses just so you can sort of get that feedback to say, oh, look, you know, my, my, my dad or whatever, um, you know, you've not dispensed at, you know, this time. So provided that we think could be uh, really useful as well in care and stuff like that. So you mentioned data, so I think it's a it's a great segue towards um, this idea of like what type of insights can drug trial administrators actually get, and what information is collected, yeah. how it's presented to them, um, what they can make out of uh, that information, what decisions can be made quickly. Tell us to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. So that that's where this sort of came from is that we wanted to, um, you know, if if this data is coming remotely. And someone wants to actually use it. It has to be accurate. You know, it has to represent something. So for us, it you know, it represents a you know, a, a dispense. Something something's happened. There's some engagement. Um, and one of the interesting things from that is it just is engagement itself. Um, you know, in a clinical trial, you can get patients that start to get a bit bored. Um, you can get patients that actually disappear and stop coming to site visits. Now, if they only come in every every three or six months, then you may not get much information about why or when that happened. Um, but with our system. Because we are continually, you know, monitoring, you know, the, the patient in the phone and the, the, the packaging, um, we can sort of look to see if, you know, if, if the patient's getting a bit bored as well and actually whether their adherence is starting to drop off because, you know, we, we send them their reminder at, at 8 o'clock and we know that they've always dispensed at 10 past 8. And then month two comes on and we start to see that actually we send a reminder at 8, but, you know, they're taking a bit longer, they're starting to ignore it. Sometimes we have to send a second one. And the idea is actually getting some predictive stuff done here and actually learn to say, well, actually, this patient is actually becoming a bit high risk. Um, and that's kind of where, where it all fits. You know, that there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of patients on the trial and potentially a lot of them are going to be perfectly fine. Um, but we, you know, we, we want to make it more cost effective to say that actually these patients here are the ones that we can tell are starting to be dis- disinterested. You know, they're having more problems with adherence. And then the, the, the trial, you know, or the, the clinician in the commercial sense can actually focus more cost-effectively on these patients um, as opposed to all of them. And that's where we hope our data can come in and make a bit of a difference. So um, you, you kind of like, you know, subtly uh, mentioned, uh, you know, machine learning in there, which is predictive decision-making. Yeah. And, of course, like you have a PhD in visual perception machine learning from the University of Manchester. I do. And I, I, I do want to to 
kind of ask, like, are you bringing any of that experience and, and education into the solution? And what type of predictive um, analytics uh, can we expect from uh, your solution, not necessarily at launch, uh, even over the next two, three years? Like, w what are you thinking? What type of uh, uh, machine learning insights can be uh, derived out of the usage of the smart uh, uh, bubble? So, I mean, really, to make, to make a machine learning thing work, it's, it's, it's the data you train it on. So we have a long way off before we get we get some really good data to sort of, you know, to, to, to sort of grow these models. But the sort of models we're looking at is taking in this engagement data and the adherence data from the past and from, you know, from different groups. Um, and then, you know, as we go forward, we might be able to predict which ones are going to have non-adherent episodes. And then hopefully, you know, we can actually, you know, sort of, understand that for conditions and maybe age groups um, because this could be useful data in the future if, if a new drug trial is coming out um, and it's you know it's, it's for it's for a more expensive drug but it's for a drug you take you know fewer times a day than what's out there now um, and you know but it's going to make more sense if the adherence is higher because this cheaper drug actually has higher you know hospitalization so that sort of thing is where we really hate one day we can come in and say right well actually for this age group um, this is the sort of level of adherence we're getting um, and, you know, if, if, if you're looking at a drug like this where it's only one a day instead of two a day, you know, that's actually an improvement of this much. So that's where we hope to get to. To get there, the models are, are, are you know, are, are simply built on, you know, learning about this is what the person did the day before. This is what they did that day last week. This is what people are doing usually. Um, you know, picking that all up and saying, right, this is what they're doing now. So this is what we think might happen. Um, that's where we want to go. But to do that, we need to, you know, we need to learn a lot. We need to start, you know, getting this data. Um, obviously, you can sort of buy these sets and stuff like that. Um, but we need to wait till we sort of grow that. And then these models can actually start really doing some good. So that's the idea in the future. And, and of course, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, for uh, uh, artificial intelligence to work, you need to have the, the data sets so that you can train it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have the, the, the data, the, the most you can do is speculate on some rules-based yeah. decision-making um, yeah. that would be in place. Um, so let's talk about the, your, your launch plans, right? Like you're, you're doing another clinical trial. Um, I believe your, your plan is to um, go to market uh, towards the end of the year and just walk us through like, you know, what you think is going to happen next. And you, know, you launch the product, you, you go to specific trials, like what is the growth strategy that you have in mind for the company? Yeah, so the so clinical trials are our sort of first, first target. And that's because we, you know, we, we want a, a slightly more controlled um, uh, environment than in commercial medicine as well, particularly in the NHS at the moment. So the idea is to run these trials to make sure we get this this product working um, safely and, and, and robustly. Because, you know, pharma companies are very slow to change. Um, they're very slow to adopt to sort of to this sort of digital stuff. Um, or they are they are more so now. But still, you know, when you come into something like this, it's very new. Um, it involves packaging, it involves the patient, you know, it invo involves the actual drug product and sort of stability type work. Um, you know, they, they want to see this thing actually works and has been tested. So our target now is to run all these trials we can to collect this data. And then we really want to find a, a, a sort of partner, a sort of champion who's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a pharma company that, that's, that's having problems with adherence that's really pushing their sort of digital, um, you know, uh, led approach um, forward. And, you know, having this sort of thing would be useful to that offering going forward. Um, and, and we're looking at sort of long-term partnership 
strategies there um, with, with companies that want to want to take this on and you know and use it. And that's you know when you come into a clinical trial, you know you have to be used internationally. You know this, this thing would have to be filled. Um, there'll, there'll be sort of quite a jump in volumes. So you know having that partner is uh, you know quite important for us as, as a small startup coming in. Um, once we've done that, you know we hope that obviously if this thing goes into a trial and you know it it, it does what we hope it will do. Um, you know, improve improve your data. You know, you know, stop poor adherence going into your data set and creating problems. And actually, you know, maybe in the future, actually reduce the number of patients needed for a trial because you don't have to compensate for for poor data. Then we're hopeful that obviously, you know, we, we can scale quite well. And then, you know, one good trial would lead to sort of many many trials. We scale the manufacturing. That you know, the volumes go up, and you know, um, you know, we hope to run more and more trials that way. Excellent. So, are you planning on going for a Series B funding? Uh, that's uh, we'll, yeah. We'll see how that goes at the moment. We we, we finished our Series A um, uh, back in 2017, um, and we've been doing really well now. Um, sort of running our running our projects um, and, and running our trials. And at the moment, we we still have a runway to run more trials and get more data. And that's what our aim is at the moment: is to sort of prove, get this to a real product ready launch. Get our sort of um, C market in place, um, and then we're going to look for a sort of partnership opportunity slash a Series B um, in next year. Uh, so, so the goal is for next year, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming the manufacturing costs would be quite uh, quite high, uh, if you will. If, uh, so, if, if, if yeah. To, to if we're building sort of one at the moment, yeah, it's it's a bit more. These are kind of we, we build these kind of one off at the moment with our sort of external partners. But um, you know, our target for us is to make this you know well below a hundred dollars per unit cost. Um, because you know, if this is going to be a trial of lots of patients, you know, we need to be able to. You know, this needs to be you know cost effective. Um, so that's our target to get that price down, and that will come you know with time of running these trials and sort of improving our manufacturing process. Um, and you know, making making sure we get that right. So let's talk a little bit about your competitors. Like, who are the biggest competitors, and how do you differentiate uh, your product from theirs? Yeah. So at the moment, there is you know a lot of electronic blister packs in clinical trials. Um, you know, these you know if you've kind of popped out the tablets, they have a bit of circuitry printed on the back. Um, they they can't really control access. Um, as well as ours, I mean, ours can obviously pop out tablets at a certain time, and it can it can lock down. Um, and not pop any out for a certain time. So that's a kind of a bit of a difference between us and sort of this electronic blister solution. Uh, apart from that, you have kind of just app-based solutions. Now, these are ones where the patient will maybe have their dose schedule on their phone. Um, they can have reminders or maybe text messages, and they just maybe press a button every time that they, they dispense their pill. So that's kind of a, you know, a, 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 you know, a fairly cheap and you know, easy-to-use uh, solution as long as you've got a mobile phone. Um, for us, you know, if we were going to come out and say, well, you know, we, we think you need this bottle as well, the sort of argument there is that, you know, there's a safety improvement where we can control this dispensing and prevent double dosing. Um, and also, you know, just that data is going to be more accurate. If you're really going to use this remotely and make decisions and, you know, you know, uh, you know stop, stop poor quality data coming to your data set, simply pressing the button on the app, you know, may not be as good as us telling you that this pill has popped out into this person's hand or, or this pill has not. So that's the kind of the, the difference between those. Um, and then sort of right on the other side, you have these uh, kind of electronic um, tablets now, 
where you have a sensor inside that tells you if you actually go in, into your stomach. So that, you know, gives you a great amount of data for, um, you know, has it actually been swallowed? Um, I think, you know, you, you, you're looking at certain demographics and maybe certain conditions where that, that's really helpful as well. Um, but we hope to sort of fit into sort of a different area and a different sort of price point. Do you have any plans to integrate your uh, platform with perhaps other um, IoT solutions in the uh, drug trial space? Yeah, I think that that's always been the target. Um, you know, we're, we, we've got a platform now um, and we've got a sort of, you know, the, the platform on the back end does the analytics, which is the sort of stuff we've been building. Um, and, and the sort of clever stuff based on our, based on our bottle. But really we want to, you know, you, you, if you look at some clinical trials, they might have up to, you know, many, many different systems that the person has to log into, um, which is, which is, a, which is already a problem. And there's some, you know, groups set up just to try and solve that. And we don't want to be another, you know, vertical silo of data just sat there, you know, someone else has to log in and then they have to try and export the data. So we are really keen to sort of link in whether that's the, the sponsor, the CRO system. Um, or whether it's a, another established platform, um, we, we we have sort of APIs for our for our bottle um, based on our mobile our mobile phone app as well. So if someone already has an app for ePro or Electronic Diaries, then we can actually provide access to our bottle through that as well. Um, in you know, hopefully we know we have some expertise on the UI side, so hopefully we can support that. But we really just want to make it as easy as possible to integrate this because this data becomes so much more valuable when it's shared with 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 other data, um, and that's really key for us. Today, I had the pleasure of talking to James Burnstone, CEO at Illicit M Health, a British company that has developed a smart gold bottle. James, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to talk. Thanks for listening to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to visit us at healthcareweekly.com. Subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app to get a notification every time a new episode is released. Do you know of an inspirational health leader who should be on our podcast? Email us at hello at healthcareweekly.com with details. Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Healthcare innovation starts here.